Hello and welcome to When Will It End? We're recording this on the first day of 5781, the Jewish New Year. And I'm Josh. I'm joined as always by Charles. Hi, Charles. Hi. Was that a joke in this movie? Oh, no, that was something else. Never mind. Okay, Charles, you're you're sucking ass right off the bat. So just, just sit back for a minute. Just a bad start. Uh, the, the Jewish New Year is about renewal. It's about reflection. It's about looking inward. And it's about having a sweet new year, as is, you know, uh, represented in practice by eating honey on apples. So in a way, there's no more appropriate movie to start this new year than American Pie 2, a movie about apple pie, emotions, coming to terms with who we are, what it means to look back behind us and what it means to step forward. In a lot of ways, American Pie 2 is all of us. Are we not all in a transitional moment in this year? Are we not all looking to see where we once were and trying to imagine a future despite challenges, despite confronting aspects of our identity maybe we were afraid to look at, you know? Maybe when Jim Levenstein superglues his hand to his penis while trying to masturbate, is in a lot of ways where we are as a country, as a society, as a spiritual community. Our hand glued to our dicks, trapped on a roof at the cool lake house on Lake Michigan, trying to prepare for Nadia's arrival. Are you done? Are you done sucking ass now? Is that is that? No, that was good. That, that was, was good. really good. I'll I'll listen to yeah. it later. Yeah, and I think you'll find yourself you'll find yourself moved. I think. Roger Ebert uses the R word in his review. Oh God! Please, best. Um, uh, oh, in talking about the PD subplot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's like that's you're talking about looking back. You're talking about new beginnings and thinking back on the ways we used to be. Like that's wild that a published article in the Chicago Tribune by one of the I, probably the biggest movie critic of the time could just absolutely yeah just drop it in there. And I guess that makes sense because. The movie had it in there. So a lot of looking back. That's well, I found this movie both uh, charmingly problematic, as I think we've come to expect from sex comedies of the the pre 9-11 world. And actually, I want to touch on this really quickly. Do you realize the date of when American Pie 2 was released? Was it on 9-11? August 6th, 2001. Wow. So in a lot of ways, this movie was the last good time. Because until 9-11, white men pretty much were having just a blast for a while, Mm. you know? And I think this movie is one of the last times as a country we could just examine the the emotional lives of white men trying to get laid. And I think that 9-11 changed that. Is that the the worst outcome of that? I don't know. Who's to say? I mean, it does come up a lot, and I think that's because we're still, you know suffering from it we just happened we just was september 19th now Mm. um we had our yearly remembrance of the event and it's just it's never gonna go away we're gonna always have to remember it and this might have been the kiss the kiss the sweet mm, switch to smoochers to a good time well imagine like it's september 10th okay and you just got back from seeing american pie 2 for like the third or fourth time with your guys yeah because there's ass in it and titties uh, and you're like, there's like what one, two pairs of titties. There's, but that that doesn't mean I'm wrong. There's ass and titties in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I just like 
we got we'll we'll talk about that scene because once again this movie has a drawn out sexually comedic scene that is not funny at all no no no, I totally disagree. The, you liked I loved it? that scene. I loved it. Because it, it just keeps growing and growing and moving. I, I was actually like the Nadia non consensual webcam scene. I was like, oh God, or have we reached another impasse where there's gonna be a big set piece involving a naked woman that's gonna just age really poorly? But I actually loved it. I, I, I thought that uh the idea like the very literally turning the gaze back onto the lads and channeling their misdirected sexual lust onto like their own psychosexual relationships yeah i thought I, I thought it was great i love that stifler was like all right like i'm i'm in a place in my life where i want i'll get a hando from jim if it means you know seeing these 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 women have a moment together have a hando together yeah yeah i mean i so there's they're very different scenes there i think obviously it's the this is like when sequels recreate something for the new one and it was that scene all over again i like that they you know, before it was cutting edge, 1999, the internet was used in order to make the joke work. And here, uh, what do we have? We have not some new technology, but some strange walkie-talkie. And there's a couple of good gags outside of the room. I liked it when the dad, like, has to go and he's like, I can fix this. <laughs> that was great. And, but- <laughs> well, okay, so I want to talk about the structure of the movie because you hit on something really good there. As we've often found in our exhaustive research into the realm of franchising... Frequently, second movies have posed a massive problem to us, and this has happened time and time again. The biggest examples, RoboCop 2, Terminator 2, movies that crank everything up, movies that take the things that we liked and insist on maximizing them or making them cartoonish or making them – sort of swollen and bloated and Austin Powers too. Like this Yeah, the, the, Austin Powers is supposed to say that. Right. This movie from the get-go was like, hey, you liked American Pie, this is gonna be another American Pie. It's not bigger, it's not badder, it's not whatever. We're going to just really stick to this sweet spot of like a, 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 a an awfully sentimental tale of emotional growth with boobs along the way. And two, I really liked two how sets this of didn't Fine, sure. Do the math. I don't care. Okay. I I really admired how they they held the course, kept the same screenwriter, and and did not. There were there's no big deviations. It felt like an actual emotional continuation of the characters we fell in love with in the first movie. And I have great respect for them not blowing it out of the water accidentally. I think that's yeah. I unfortunately for me the not it didn't make anything bigger, but it made everything smaller. Like Oz's plot is nothing. Kevin's plot is like it's something but it's I think that was it they they focused so much more on Jim this movie that all the other characters had very little to do especially Oz my boy I still I see myself as totally in Oz like watching him do phone sex is how I would do phone sex especially just saying do phone sex like what do you why was why was Mina Suvari just rubbing her nipple (laughs) Allison was like she's not she's touching her tit she's not like jacking it yeah she's like I'm touching myself and she's like I don't even know if she's touching Nip. She might have just been like It looks stroke- like she's like up above her, like just like sort of by her collarbone her kind pack, of. yeah. Right. And maybe for Mina Suvari, that's a very erogenous zone. I, I, I was a little confused by that, but. Yeah, that. but I mean, I can imagine myself performing phone sex in the same way that Oz would. And I like Oz. And I think 
they had nothing left for Oz to do. He did everything. He learned how to be a nice guy. And hey, what, look, he's still a nice guy. Let, let me just approach this one step at a time. The Oz thing, you're right. Oz is definitely a minor character in this movie. I didn't find myself as concerned about that because Oz is an affable dope. I'm not really sure how much more we can juice out of Oz. I just like that he's there. But Kevin, who admittedly is probably the least interesting of the four to begin with, yeah. I think his monologue on the beach and the way his friends treat him as he like confronts this mm-hmm. reality of what it means to I, I thought that like he got a pretty poignant monologue in there and i i think that that's that's not for nothing no it's a, it's a, one of the big moments in the movie they don't really have the i liked how they cheers this time at the end that scene was maybe the funniest and most heartwarming scene in the movie where they like are all at the party cheersing and it's keeps cutting back and forth to everybody i don't know that was a really what has been a weird moment to like write it out and be like all right let's just stick let's just go for this weird way to have the same because we lost the restaurant they're at the lake they don't have the hot dog what was it called big dogs the dog house i want to say dog house maybe hold on i could be confusing it with in halt and catch fire there's also a prominently featured hot dog restaurant yeah so i might be confusing the two i was very confused because the whole movie they kept saying the lake the lake the lake and as a mainer that looked very much to be the ocean so okay this is so funny because <laughs> Just like Allison, my wonderful fiance, who has been a steadfast companion and watching and greatly enjoying the American Pie movies, she had the same reaction. And I realized, like, I lived in Cleveland for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time in Chicago. Um, those lakes are, are really yeah. fucking big. So that's... Like, they're, they're huge lakes. Like, I, it does – I understand to, like, a provincial rube like you – by the way, Charles is actively gnawing on a stalk, a wheat stalk. He's just gnawing on a stalk of wheat. Sam Wheat. Sam Wheat. Uh, did I tell you, uh, the, the 20-year-old manager of the movie theater that I my office is in, uh, the movie theater's been closed for months, obviously, yeah. and for some reason, they had Ghost 1990 on the marquee. I, I have no idea why. <laughs> Wait, really? And I was like, that's kind of funny. You know, just Ghost up there. It's like, yeah, I have no idea what that is. Whoa, is it haunted? Is it Whoopi? No, no, he didn't know what the movie Ghost was, oh, okay. and I was like, I felt a bit old. I, I'm like a decade older than you. That movie came out the year I was born. Yeah, we talked about it. Before. Anyways, we did. Um, but yeah, so I, the the lake is those the Great Lakes are are named aptly. They are fucking huge. They're great. Trump is very proud of these lakes. Do you think Trump built those lakes? Do you think he's ever said he's built the lakes, the biggest lakes, the greatest lakes? I think, based on the direction of culture, I think we need to stop fighting it and just let reality just completely dissolve because it's doing us no favors right now. I agree. Like if I was running for president, I would say, like, I made the Great Lakes. That's one of my many accomplishments is I thought of and carried out the, the successful creation of Great Lakes. That was my call. Seeing everyone – this is – we're recording the basically the day of because the news broke pretty late yesterday for me. Well, maybe just because I was at work until 11. But a uh, day after the the Great Ruth – not ba- not Babe Ruth, but the Ruth – I He's been dead for some time. Yeah. He, uh, is it? It's Bader Ginsburg. Yeah. That's correct. I always do a Jake Joseph Gordon-Levitt where when I think of the initials, I always swap around a few. It's R... I always think RGB, but I think it's RB... What is it? RBG. Okay. I'm writing a, a gender swap screenplay about Ruth Bader Ginsburg that does... I, I am shopping it to Joseph Gordon-Levitt for the, the main role. Oh, that's really cool. Because uh, I find it very hard to relate to her. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why. And I, and when I think about, like, a hero figure, I'm like, well, maybe, like, a like a, like a a guy. Yeah. Maybe if it was a guy doing it, I would sort of, like, understand more 
what the deal is because honestly like i hadn't heard of the lady until last night yeah and i am just imagining the poster it would be Mm. j j r j g l is rbg that's it yeah i was i was this summer j g l is rbg i mean you you might mistake the letters sometimes but it's still a winner no one's gonna forget everyone's gonna flock written and directed by josh landy's by you yeah oh, this, this is, is gonna be my baby yeah. start to finish mm-hmm. i feel like i'm the right voice to capture her experience i think so i mean especially you're gonna turn into a guy so this will be a guy's movie right much in the same right. way that American so gonna Pie. Be, so guys if you're listening there's gonna be tits in it don't yeah. worry yeah is it gonna there's be gonna be a scene where uh uh jgl as rbg has to uh carry out a session a court session uh in a women's locker room classic it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome Those antics. Hey, can we talk about I kind of want to get away from talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg just because uh, if – as anyone living in America right now knows, uh, the internet is like, what if we all busted out the worst takes and the worst posting? That's what I was about to just say. Is like <laughs> we, we – I, I agree with you that we should just let reality sink in, that we are living in a – there is no democracy. It doesn't fucking matter. Anyone can claim they well, made the, the Great Lakes. Who gives a shit? Well, I'm just – it's so funny that like the performance – of self in this country has gotten so vapid and empty that a lifetime appointee unelected judge yeah like in a system where what over the last 25 years like presidents like mostly republican presidents who didn't win the popular vote picked lifetime appointees to like venerating this system we can mourn the death of someone and not play into this weird hagiography about the state that makes us all seem even more desperate than we are. Because turning to terrible structures that are poorly considered and are in dire need of transformation, just because we're scared, just perpetuates a system that isn't working. I know. It's, it's ridiculous. Like from the Electoral College to the Supreme Court, these structures, which were conceived of in the 18th century – are not good by rapists and slave owners right like there was a time where these guys thought of a system because they knew the other eight guys who would do all of these jobs right you know it sucks ass that's a it's not smart so i don't know just to to see a lot of well-intentioned or maybe just cynical and poorly intentioned liberals use this as a weird excuse to act like the Supreme – like we need collective labor action, solidarity across identity politics and a unified voice for the rights of working people in this country and anything less than that is deck chairs on Titanic. It's, it's, it's fucking absurd. The, when it was between Bernie and Biden, they're like, oh, we, we just – you know, you got to vote for Bern, – Bernie's never going to win. Because they're going to call him a socialist. Oh, guess what? They're calling Biden a socialist. Who gives a fuck? Okay, now that's Biden. They're like, you got to go for Biden over Trump because, you know, the Supreme Court. Oh, wait, now that fucking she's dead and we're going to get some piece of shit rapist instead. It's like, they just keep coming back with, well, you still got to vote Biden because of this. It's like, no, it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't right, right. fucking matter. It doesn't take some sort of incisive political mind to realize that getting bullied into buying in more and more to something that sucks ass is just basic gaslighting and coercion. And it's a huge distraction from what we actually need. Right. So it's like this podcast. I suck ass. And yet I am coercing you and gaslighting you into this podcast to perpetuate it ad nauseum because well, no, I have nothing else to do. No, I willingly buy into this because I love you. You're one of my best friends. And yet there are times where you swing at pitches 
so furiously that it's honestly it is heartwarming because you are like you're like you're really trying and i really admire that yeah just your pitch selection is at times confusing um speaking of selection let's talk about the soundtrack to american pie 2 this bitch is stacked okay uh, some 41 fat lips some 41 in too deep okay two lit songs all right weezer's hash pipe jesus and best of all, I don't know, uh, when when the terrible Michael Jackson cover is playing, I was like, who the fuck is covering Smooth Criminal? This is, like, really bad. It's Alien Ant Farm. I've never – who's that? Um, they were a, j- just, like, a completely faceless, shitty band from the early aughts who are, were also on the Spider-Man soundtrack. Mm. So they had a pretty banging start to the millennia. millennia. Yeah, this, this, this is another way that the American Pie series is just continuing doing what it does best is – throwing banger after banger onto scenes and they somehow work it's like you know i I remember i don't know if this is still a thing in movies but like back in the 90s and 2000s and 80s probably too like uh, the soundtrack was a bunch of hit songs so that people would buy the soundtrack and i don't know that that's as popular anymore but man american pie knows how to not just use a song that will sell but also make it work in the scene that they're using it in well i think there's that ability to tap into the zeitgeist that's so rare and so difficult, and like it's, it's what almost every teen movie is like desperately trying to do. And I would say for two movies in a row, these do feel like complete pieces of like it's like like you know, ass to head. The whole thing feels like this united whole in a way that's like impressively consistent. I think it's like like the first movie. This really feels like you know a unified piece, and I think it's very impressive. Yeah, yeah. I I I, I think on paper. This movie, whatever paper it would be, uh, it works. And then when I watch the movie, I'm not really, I don't really like it. And maybe we can talk about why. I, I, Jim, as we remember from the last episode, I'm so happy that, you know, every friend group has a Finch, every friend group has a Nods, every friend group has a Jim and a, and a, and a Kevin. I'm so happy that neither of us are Kevins or Jims because they both suck. Mm. Jim sucks so much i don't think he's a good actor and i don't think he's a good character and i find every scene he's in to be boring and unfunny i'm shaking and my head I, you can shake your head at me out. but that doesn't make my experience any less true i'm not saying it's your experience isn't true i'm saying i just feel like i really i really love jim i love the attention on jim i i think do you think you might be part jim i think as like an awkward jewish guy um i see a lot of myself and jim levinson yeah uh, and okay here's what i'm saying I love this movie starts with the wonderful tradition of Jim instantly being humiliated by his father uh-huh. and in this case mother as well, watching him do something sexual. That shit is hysterical. I yeah. really love it. Makes me happy. And in this movie, we get that incredible moment where Jim's dad, who again, I'm pissing myself every fucking thing Eugene Levy does in these movies. Every reaction feels so real and like so rich. Like I, I, I really love it. And he's even better in this one, I think. Even better. I think in this movie, after Jim accidentally glues his hand to his dick, um, his dad goes, Jim, this just keeps happening, man. You just keep, you know, like, I I love that they sort of engage with that. Like, that made me really happy. In the first one, he's more like confused and doesn't quite know how to talk about sex with this kid. He has, he's almost strong in this movie in his very weak way. I like that he actually has more. The opening scene was great. I like got off to such a great start with him. The beer thing, the everything he said while he was talking to the other ladies' parents was just—it was delightful. And Eugene Levy, 
Uh, I'm sorry that I ruined the bit last week. I'm very, very sorry. I was thinking about it all week this week, and like, well, we had talked about it. We were initially talked about Eugene Levy winning MVP for all of the eight movies, but now that we've shattered that literally from step one, I know, uh, and I feel very bad about it. I, I mean, you know me; I have a bad memory, and maybe a reminder up front could have been good. I'm blaming you, but no, I, I do regret it because that would have been just would have been fucking funny, man. Our podcast could have been funny. I think we have our moments, regardless of our, you know, our like smothering failure. We do have moments of, I think, great insight and even a, a chuckle or two along the way. What about tits and ass? We have very little of that in the podcast. Yeah. What do we, I would say that as a, as certainly an audio medium, the best we could do is describe our nubile young bodies because we yeah. are both young and nubile. We both have and ass. And I think that's – we definitely both have ass. Um, I don't think you have ass at all. You're a very slender man. Yeah, but I got a little a little popper for such a tiny boy. We got a couple scoops going on. There's some scoops. Yeah, you can – I mean, not you. I mean, you. Yeah, that's fine. You could scoop. Wait, what? Mm. What does that mean? Uh, so Stifler chugs John Cho's piss right out his dick in this movie. <laughs> that fucking owned. I didn't uh, – yeah, the more we talk about this, it's just like I appreciate that it's recreating moments, and I just found them to be boring. That's so sad to me. I, I know. I, I just feel like they found a sustained tone that works, and I thought the miracle was that they managed to keep up that energy and not – overexert themselves like so many sequels do because yeah. we i loved american pie and I, I thought this was as good or better so you you didn't find it a little overexerting to i mean it is funny talk again on paper great so a, a woman is pouring champagne i was like oh, let's get a little kinky here close your eyes i'm gonna pour champagne on your head very sexual so stifler lies back and then meanwhile uh milf guy two slash acapella guy is upstairs and he's really got to pee, but there's a long line for the bathroom. So he gets Buddy to help him out and he starts peeing over the side. But mid-pee, can you do this anymore? I actually tried this after watching the movie to like stop myself from peeing just using my dick muscles. I mean, I, I can shut off midstream, but it's like, you know, not if I'm really, if I really have to go, it, it sucks. Yeah. I remember when I was much younger, I could just like, you know, could just shut it off. Yeah. And now it's like I can shut it off for maybe a second. Yeah. Two. And then it just keeps my muscles. are. I'm just a weakening old man. Well, your perpetual genital denigration will just continue on and on for years and years until you're wearing a colonoscopy bag and got a catheter in. Yeah. And then gone in the same way that RGB. B, R, J, this summer, JGL is RGB. So anyway, um, he gets interrupted because a lady comes out on the balcony and his friend's like, stop pissing, even though he still probably has his dick out. I'm not even sure why he needed to stop pissing, just maybe just in he case. He's trying to have at least the, 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 the thin patina of respectability at a cool house party, and I respect that. Pistina? Uh, yeah, his pist- he was trying to give a pistina over this thick stream he was dumping. Yeah, so this is where I think it starts to reach a little bit is he stops peeing, and that gives them the stifler and the lady time to set up the kinky champagne whereupon a flower pot <laughs> falls on her head knocks her out cold thus allowing for the that sham. was so funny i know it's that was such a great bit <laughs> i liked it in some ways but then it just i don't know like the lesbian this for that could have been amazing i think scene it's just these people the pacing and timing 
I don't really know that it it doesn't it didn't work for me. It just seemed to always go on too long. I don't know. I, I, I so me and Ali rewatched Game Night recently, which is like a brilliant movie. I love that movie. Yeah, the scene where Ryan is sliding the seventeen dollars across the table to Chelsea Peretti mm-hmm. is one of the, my favorite contemporary comedy scenes, and the only bit is that it's a man very slowly sliding incrementally smaller bills across the table to someone. And there's like, what, they do like four shots, I think? Yeah. And it's like first the $10 bill. Yeah. Then the $5 bill. Then the $1 bill. And then that second $1 bill is so funny. So I don't know. I really like sustained stuff like that. And I didn't mind. I thought like the naughtiest scene in the first movie, you're just like, Right, it's uncomfortable I and problematic. The, the point is that the men get comeuppance, and I, I, I admire – like there's a lot of – a zillion other shitty teen sex comedies where that never happens or it's just strictly about objectifying women. And I think these movies tend to veer away from that as much as there's parts that are obviously objectifying and shitty. Yeah, but the- I liked that scene where they're like, you know, you're, you're – you're forcing – you're over-sexualizing us. You're making us perform for you and we're going to like really draw out like what if you had to do the same thing? What if you had to perform for us? Like what, how far would you go by your own metric of what you want from us? I, I don't know. I think I think they kept pushing it to a point that like – I don't know. I, I really – I thought it was going to be cringy and I, I was found myself laughing and laughing. I liked it if Stifler whipping at his dick being like, you know what? Like, despite my home, like, also when Finch calls him a homophobia wizard or whatever, yeah. a wizard of homophobia, that was so funny. Yeah. So, that, no, I, that's why I think this was successful is because it wasn't cringy and it didn't age poorly, which is a, so much better than the last large scene in the first one, just for that. And I did laugh at some moments. I just, I think that you mentioned that scene in Game Night. I think for me, the difference is that having Stifler and Jimbo together in a scene is I'm not lasting, you know? Finch will keep me going as much as he can, but the other two characters, I just don't really find all that interesting. That's so interesting to me. I I thought, I love Jim's progression in this movie. I I found myself really, like, one, I love his relationship with Michelle. We actually go to band Mm. camp, which is huge. I think me and Allie were practically cheering at the end. The scene in the lighthouse with Nadia, where he, like, he enters a phallic structure with the object of his desire only to realize that he himself has transformed or is acknowledging that maybe he's been ignoring who he really is the entire, like, I thought that was like, we were like, when he does the one time at band camp, that's like a, a genuinely triumphant moment. Like I really loved that. Yeah. I, I found myself really rooting for Jim and, and his progress. I like Jason Biggs playing, you know, a desperate geek who by this movie finally embraces who he really, like, I don't I really liked that. Yeah. Now, the, the, Again. the most problematic part of the movie is that Stifler and Allie wanted to be sure that I included her thoughts on this. Cause I think it's important to have a woman weigh in on American. Pie is she there? Is she here? No, she's, no, she's no, making no. a crumble right now. She's making a Rosh Hashanah crumble. Okay. But she, she was angry that Stifler is ultimately rewarded by the yeah. faux lesbians, which I agree. That's the dumbest thing in the movie. So that's uh, or, excuse me. That's 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 the least considered part of the movie. I want to see Stifler uh, forced to confront his own repressed homosexuality and chugging piss and stuff. I don't want to see him rewarded for being right. a dick. And I think that's sort of why, even if the screenwriters and directors and filmmakers didn't, their intention was to have it be a sort of showcase of his homosexuality and things that he's not acknowledging about himself. When you have that moment, you also realize it was a movie in two thousand one where. Maybe the public wasn't ready for that, and they still had to be like, eh, and he still gets to bang him. 
So I don't know. It's, no, it, def- it definitely feels like compensating. And I, it, yeah. I wish they I wish they doubled down on like the best parts of Stifler are when him being a huge asshole is the punchline and robbing us of a final punchline of that is both a little cowardly and a little unsatisfying. Right. Yeah, I think Stifler potential he had the potential to be the most interesting character in a lot of ways because to see how desperate he is for sex makes you realize that he probably doesn't actually have any sex and the fact that he's i mean it's it's a very fascinating structure where in the first movie he's like the sexy guy and you never actually see it maybe he's like a sherman maybe he's more shermanator than he wants to let on that's interesting i mean my major complaint with Stifler that you're sort of touching on here is that everyone else in the movie, I think, reaches another plateau of emotional development, and Stifler doesn't. Stifler really is quite static. And maybe that's the point of Stifler is that he never changes. Oz doesn't like, change either. Well, no, I think Oz discovers new things about himself and, and like, what he's capable of. I wish you know, there you're, was you're, more you're Oz. You're fixating on Oz. Well, like, well, I, it's because... You're staring at Oz when... Okay, Kevin has a, a phenomenal emotional revelation yes. that he's living in the past and needs to move forward. Um, Finch realizes that, like, it's worth it to wait and to focus... Like, his, his devotion and love for Stifler's mom <laughs> pays off. He didn't even know if it would. Yeah. You know, Jason discovers he's really a band geek. Nadia discovers that... You know, Nadia and Sherman discover together that, like, she want, she loves geeks. Her fetish is geeks. And Sherman is like, you know what? I am the Shermanator. People are going to... Like, I, there are people going to appreciate that I'm the Shermanator. So I think I, I think everyone, except for Stifler and Oz, I agree, and a muted, but not no less... It's not like he regresses or something. No, I no. I, I like that they, they considered everyone having this step forward, basically. Yeah. I think maybe because I, uh, you know, was rooting for Oz and associated so much with he's my He's my entry point. And the fact that he didn't do anything is like a waste of time. I wish he had just gotten cancer and died. Did I miss something where Oz is your, like, you know, your your spiritual brother or something. I, I mean, yeah. I like Oz, but like he's probably the third or fourth most interesting character. If look, that. he's a jock. Uh, wait, actually, hold on. He's way, way. I mean, I mean, I like Jim better. I like Jim's dad better. I like Michelle better. I like Finch better. I like Stifler's mom better. I like Stifler better. Stifler's little brother kind of sucks. Yeah, Stifler's brother is perfectly cast. Yeah, I mean, he was the same actor too, and they somehow just knew he would grow up two years later to be even more of a piece of shit looking like. I don't know. The fact that uh, what's-his-name is in it again, Casey Affleck returns as the the rich older brother telling him how to do the same thing again. I, I like the the cyclical nature. And again, the on paper, everything is perfect. And then I think just the experience of watching it, I don't know. I, I, the, the weird thing with the PD scene is that they no one even knows. Like, Jim doesn't know that he's supposed to be playing a 90s, like, making fun of a mentally challenged person. Well, that's why that scene is weirdly, I was really prepared for that to be awful and it kind of isn't. No. It's like, it's not great, but I mostly like, like Jim does suck and Jim is like, like the fact that, you know, he has to believe in himself to do something he knows he can't even really do makes him suck so much less. Like Mm -hmm. he doesn't like cave, he embraces, you know, there's that wonderful scene in, uh, Keeping the faith, you know, the I love that I suck scene. I haven't seen it. You know, it. Where, where Ben Stiller as the rabbi teaches his bar mitzvah student to just embrace that he sucks and like and make it something that's awesome. And I like that Jim is just like, you know what? I have no fucking clue what I'm doing. I don't know who I'm supposed to be. 
I can't play trombone. I'm just going to suck really hard and enjoy it. And certainly as a noise musician who also sucks at music, I found it very liberating to see someone just like really own like I'm not really sure what people expect of me right now, but I'm just going to do me right now. So you you taught me this that you're like the bar mitzvah. Part of it is that you have to just stand in front of a group and sing. And I think there is, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems like there's a part of Jewish culture where you don't have to be like, I don't know, there's so much repression in my culture where if you're not good at something, you feel like, I don't feel like in high school I could ever do anything because I wasn't good at it. But it seems like you just sort of got that out of the way being like, oh, I have to do this giant thing in front of a room full of people that I'm going to suck at. And I can suck at shit like that now. I don't know. It's it's It seems very different culturally about how we deal with being in front of crowds and trying to accomplish something. Well, I think there's there's plenty of problematic things about American Jewish culture. But I do – I think it's nice what you've hit on, which is that you know, my, my dad told me before my bar mitzvah, and I'm not a very good singer. I certainly wasn't then. He was like, everyone in this crowd wants you to succeed. Right. No one here is rooting for you to fail. So it doesn't matter if you're not good. No one wants you to fail. So I wonder if this is, again, a concession on the filmmakers being like, even though we feel that, is, they're all, or they, is this a Jewish direction, Jewish written movie or no? Well, I mean, Adam Hertz wrote it. And uh, between you and me, I mean, it's written by Adam Hertz and David H. Steinberg. So as a Jew, I'm comfortable saying that those sound like a couple Jewish guys. I think I can live with that. Now, Jason Biggs, interestingly, Catholic. Jesus. So you maybe they it. felt that idea that like, Jason Biggs doesn't have to be good at trombone and he just needs to believe that he can be in front of this crowd and goof around on the trombone. And then maybe like, well, our American audience aren't going to understand that. So let's make it be a joke about, you know, what uh, Roger Ebert just casually tossed around the R word about. Because they'll understand that if the crowd thinks this person, I don't know, it's just like, it's a weird, it was just like a weird turn that didn't need to be in there. Well, okay. Well, two things. One, the last line of Adam Hertz's Wikipedia page is a three-word sentence. It just says, he is Jewish with two citations, which is amazing. Two. We need both. Yes. Uh, They double down on that. Also, uh, as a diehard Coen Brothers and a Serious Man fan, did you notice who plays one of the camp counselors? It's Reb Nachner from uh, A Serious Man. Oh, great. The great great George Weiner. Yeah, he's uh, – was he the, the guy that – wait, did you watch the unrated version or the regular version? Oh, I watched the unrated version, which I'm not – it's unclear to me. They're neither – the unrated versions are not that much longer. This one had a lot of changes. I was looking at it because I didn't check the first one. And the fact that you said it was just three seconds, I was like, oh, I wonder what this is. One of them is the fucking poop mouth that was maybe the most disgusting thing I've seen in a movie in months. Wait, maybe I didn't watch the unrated. What was the poop mouth? When – uh, when uh, Allison shoves the trumpet up. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Then he Lube, plays the- Lubeless, by the way, just shoves that thing right up there. Jesus, that's right. quite an asshole. No, that was funny. Also, I, I don't know. I kind of admire that though. I think like I didn't realize that as early as you know 2001, there were some sexual heroes being like, "Look, guys, butt stuff owns." Yeah. No, I like that scene, and then I liked when the camp counselor starts playing the trumpet afterwards. I saw it coming. That but was great. Still expertly ca- acted. And- well, the, the shot is beautiful, where it's like Jason Biggs looks up <laughs> yeah. to the the silhouette of him playing a mournful trumpet song, knowing that it's an ass trumpet. Wait, what was the song that he played? Fuck, it's a it's a classic camp song. Ugh. Anyway, it's gone now. But then they cut to him later when Jason Biggs returns and. Starts goofing around again and wins the heart of Allison. 
And then it cuts to the camp counselor. He's got the fucking rotten lips. Did you see that? I don't. I think I missed that. Okay, that's the. In, there's, that was, there's a callback. Oh yeah, it's like it just pans over, and then you see him, and he's got these fucking disgusting rotten lips, and it was <laughs> foul and awful. And that was one of the uncut things that they took out of the the regular release. Wow, Alison Hannigan fucking rules in this. Yeah, she is uh, for me definitely. Um, speaking of death, I, we watched the episode of where. Buffy's mom dies this morning. Oh, the body. Yeah. Wow. It's one of the best episodes of television. I think. It really was. It's some some really incredible editing and just focus and writing. It's a really great episode. Um, so I, I'm sort of, as I'm concurrently watching the American Pie series with the Buffy series, I'm getting, You're getting a, little, a heavy dose of Hannigan. Yeah, and she's good. She's good at she's good at doing both. I sort of tried to say that she was similar last episode, but after watching a couple of Buffy's and watching this. She is much, she has a similar, I think Joss maybe had a slight impact on the way she acts, but she has range. She does have range. I, again, I think she's one of the most confident performances. I think the fact that she just plays someone who is completely comfortable with herself and confident and wise, like, it's just like, it, it, it's an interesting character. And certainly for like silly teen male oriented sex comedies, I think. It she feels Michelle is like a rarity in that landscape, mm. and I admire that Jim. Now I don't know a lot about American Wedding. It sounds like he marries her. So it seems right? like I... right because they're on the cover together of the DVD. So uh, I think he's made a good call. I I applaud Jim Levenstein's uh, decision making, and I like that she. So in the first one, we sort of were talking about the ways people grow and what they are like. Some people are. You know, Jim learns that women want to have sex. And that's the whole like thing is that she just she's comfortable being herself. She doesn't need to see romance and sex. It doesn't mean it doesn't belong there. But for her, she can separate it very easily. And I like that this movie is sort of about her. She doesn't know that she's falling in love with Jim until she breaks up with him fakely in that scene. And she's like, oh, I sort of miss this guy. And I just like yeah, I really I like that's that done she, really well. Yeah, I, I really liked her the way she was a part of this, it seemed like she was just going to pick up right where she left off. And then she has a huge emotional journey as well. Yeah. I think her realizing her being the one in the relationship who has the power. I, I think it's just a dynamic you don't often see in these kind of movies and she just owns it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So I want to address something that you talked about earlier. Uh, there was a much, me and Allison kind of called this accidentally, but we were thinking that there would be an Oz Heather cheating on each other plot. Right. This. Yes. And that could have been interesting. And they cut, no, there was, and they cut uh, it out of the movie. Fuck. They shot it, and then they were like, this is not working, which I'd love to see how they tried to address that. See? Um, this is, I knew it, because Oz wasn't in this fucking movie. And it's because they had the plot for him, and they took it entirely out. So all he was left with was like two scenes of phone sex, and then they like, meet up again at the party and then he's basically just gone yeah so yeah i I, uh, I could tell i knew something was wrong with my oz yeah oz was a little off um i, I want to also call attention to a major when will it end cross universal moment and this blew my mind when i discovered this we're gonna make the yarn thing the scene where nadia calls jim from a payphone mm-hmm. did that payphone look familiar my friend is it the same one in the terminator it is. Yes! It's the same payphone where Kyle Reese arrives in Terminator, which is <laughs> that's incredible. I did not expect that as a crossover, but uh, baby, the Shermanator is not the single uniting feature. 
between these two franchises. That is genius. I love that. Um, a- apparently, Ben Shapiro can be seen in the crowd during the trombone scene, which sucks ass. Wait, the new like the guy. Wait, what? Ben the, Shapiro, the horrible conservative uh, piece of shit asshole guy, Ben Shapiro. How old is he? he? Must have been a tiny boy. I mean, he still is a tiny boy. So who's to <laughs> yeah, say? Jesus. Ugh. God, what a day. Sorry, just think, just think about all the death. All the death. Well, just you know, Buffy's mom. Mm. RGB, right? Soon to be cast by JGL, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Wow. Makes you think, you know. My dick dying, like I can't use those muscles anymore. I mean, yeah, your your useless penis. Um, I do, I do have to say that where right off the bat, I noticed similarities between last week. We had, you know, we were coming out of High School Musical, mm. and I was like, oh, this is very similar. You know, we got the same stories. Blah blah blah. This one, huh. It's about summertime. And while they don't chant it into existence, much in the same way that High School Musical chose to do, this works because it's college. So we have a whole year. Like before, it's like, oh, these are high school students. I don't understand what they're doing outside of high school. Here, I love that they all had their first year at college together or separately or whatever, and they're coming together. And I think the reuniting is what summer is all about as a college kid where... For a high school student, there's really not a huge much difference between summer and not summer. So I think this really paid off and was like a great way to try to change things up from being in the classroom to being outside of it. Well, you know, for me, I went to summer camp. So there was a huge difference between those two things. But I know what you mean in the sense of like when you go to college, you come back to your hometown, you're Mm. like, you're not bound to high school or whatever. You're not bound to this like very regimented experience. And you sort of like rediscover so much. Like, you know, I'm, I'm back in the world I grew up in. And, it, and like living in it as an adult is totally different. And it's so weird to think about how – like today I took a long like meditative walk in silence in the woods with Allie and I was you know trying to disconnect, trying to like evoke sober ego death. And like how can I not look at the world just through the way our minds regiment reality to allow us to, to just get through a very chaotic situation of life in 2020? And – you think about, you know, when you're a kid, it's like home, high school, and then everything else is like in between or, you know, yeah. or like it's mm-hmm. like school and home and everything else is this weird liminal space that we sort of pop in and out of. Right. And as an adult, one of the weirdest things is when you just have free time where you can just do whatever. <laughs> like it's weirder because I struggle now with having free time because I'm so used to, I'm a, you know, my, my work is all deadline oriented. I'm. I'm really on the clock all week. So it's so much stranger now to just have like this vast expanse of time. And you watch a movie like this about that really precious sense of like fleeting time in a summer. And it's, it's interesting. It makes me feel old. I really, I liked that when they come back and it's, so this, we've, we've already talked about how this movie really was a, it sort of did what the first one did. And you think it did a little better. I think it did a little worse, but really it was like a recreation of the first, but in that same paradigm, they have, the other idea where it's so thrown off, like we can't just repeat this. And even though they end up doing a lot of plot points and comedy points repeated, the thematic arcs and the ideas of it are actually very different where they are, they go back home and Jim's in his, in his bedroom where he's like, his, Eugene Levy's like, well, it's so nice to have you home. And he's like, yeah, I guess so. And like this feeling of loss, even though it's, they're fucking 20 years old or 19 years old and they're coming back to a place that to them already feels so different. Mm. Makes you makes you think, like the party. They're they're at the same exact Stifler's party, and to them, they're like, "Wow, we're just fucking creepy losers." 
and it has only been a year. Speaking of Siffler and only a year, 99 American Pie. In 2000, this is Sean William Scott. Final Destination, Road Trip, and Dude, Where's My Car? Wow. 2001, Evolution, American Pie 2, Jan's and Bob Strike Back. Wow. He had a wild couple years there. Then Southland Tales or something. Well, Southland Tales is 2006. And actually my new, I'm releasing my adult mature noise album. That's just Josh Landy's. And it opens with a sample from Southland Tales that actually the first voice you hear on the record is Sean William Scott. Wow. That's so unlike you. What do you mean? This is very adult. I mean, I feel like most of the time you just want you. Oh, I love samples. If you were at all familiar with my creative work, you'd know that uh, samples have uh, been a big part of it. I know, but just the fact that it's the first thing we hear, it's not you? No, it's uh, Sean William Scott as Roland Tavner. Yeah. Cop or twin? Uh, Both. (laughs) Yeah. Both a cop and a twin. Man, I'm just a twin. I love Sean William Scott. I really fucking do. Like, I love that when you're playing a stiffler, you just have to be like full on piece of, like you have to just own it in every way. And I do admire, like he plays like a noxious, toxic asshole in just such a, like a rich and committed manner it's you want that out of a villain and he's just so great again yeah i think again i just said the movie maybe let him down but he's his energy is good and uh i i think this is a good segue i'm not asking when will it end i even though this was wow a disappointment to me in some ways it hit some ways that i wasn't expecting hit in some ways that i wasn't expecting um and i'm gonna get this out of the way too i'm stealing allison for the mvp this time Wow. Yeah. I, I'm i excited. Um, American Wedding is next, right? American Wedding is next. And again, these movies came out pretty tightly every two years. So American Pie 99, American Pie 2 2001, American Wedding 2003. They really sort of kept that uh, the, the starting salvo of American Pie movies pretty tightly together. So I'm hoping that that – I similarly, I really loved this movie. It like, you know, the obviously – juvenile poorly aged like it feels like just like useless to point out like oh some of this 2001 sex romp is like whatever go fuck yourself it's american pie 2 i I loved it uh i'm also not asking when will it end i just before we get past it uh stifler won teen choice award for best choice movie villain for choice movie villain which is big that is big and he won the mtv movie award for best kiss with jason biggs oh my god that is huge it's a big win and, and who again, else was in the running for these? That's a great question. That year, N- Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor from Moulin Rouge, movie okay. eight. Uh, Mia Kirshner and Beverly Polson, Polson for not another teen movie, a real a movie I love. Speaking of uh, jackoff teen comedies that are actually surprisingly funny, uh, Heath Ledger and Shannon Sossaman for A Knight's Tale. I don't like that movie. Yeah, Renee Zegweller and Colin Firth, Bridge Jones Diary. We'll reserve judgment for now because that has been much discussed as a series for this podcast. But yep. uh, stay tuned. But yeah, that, that, that's I mean, beating out Kidman and McGregor is that feels like a coup, especially for Moulin Rouge! Exclamation point. Yeah, that was big that year. This was not. Well, I mean, Nicole Kidman and Hugh McGregor are certified hotties. I would kiss either one of them. Hubba, hubba. And by the way, the year before, Julia Stiles and Sean Patrick Thomas won for Save the Last Dance. Yeah. And a year later, Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst for Spider-Man. So it was a pretty powerful era, you know? Well, what about 2004's Owen Wilson, Carmen Electra, and, and Amy, Smart. Amy Smart. Wow. Owen Wilson was living the high life, you know? 
What do you think? Wow, can you imagine not only getting to kiss Carmen Electra and Amy Smart, but then winning an award for it? And that's up against Jim Carrey and Jennifer Aniston for Bruce Almighty, one of the most erotic pairs in in Holly Weird history. I would say one of the most erotic movies. Yeah, Bruce Almighty is fucking hot. I have to watch that movie with my pants off. Yeah, because your big old boner, your dick, well, uh, hard to, you know... Well, hard. You know, it's 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 faces a lot of challenges at this point in your life. It's not a problem when a little movie called Bruce Almighty is on. Now, let me ask you this: Evan Almighty, did did that match the erotic fervor, like the pulse pounding sexual tension of Bruce Almighty? So, so much in the same way that if you were to c- compare American Pie one to American Pie two, it didn't do that. It got bigger. Mm. It didn't try to just you know coast on the same thing and try to like milk some of the. Smaller themes without trying to over go overboard. No, no, Evan Almighty. I have to watch that with my pants on, if you know what I mean. I do. I know, I know exactly what you mean. I'm good because I'm not really sure yeah. I do, but I'm glad uh, yeah. you figured no, it I out. Yeah, I got you. Hey, why dig any deeper? You know, looking over these best kiss nominations, there's a few other movies in this universe that might be good bonus features. But The Girl Next Door, 2005, definitely in this realm of teen sex comedies that I I, I think. I would love to see if that aged as well as I remember it aging. And uh, again, not another teen movie. That movie uh, has some great jokes in it and uh, Chris Evans. I'm going to give something away. And I hope that's okay, okay with you. Oh, please. But this list, I'm on Wikipedia's list for the MTV movie. This is the, one of the best. Usually, like last time we were, like, we're looking up some weird DVD award and it took me 10 minutes to try to figure out who else was nominated. I'm happy that it's all laid out for me. Uh, I'm excited. At the end of this year, we're coming into a one, two, Four year back to back to back to back winner of the best kiss. Right. No, and I'm yeah. not going to tell anyone. It's the Twilight movies. What it is. Wait, you just said it? It's Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson for Twilight. You're just, you're just going to say it. They don't have to even go to Wikipedia. Well, interestingly enough, in 2009, uh, the, the beginning of the run, they managed to, 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 to beat Hudgens and Efron for HSM3. Yeah, that is that's impressive. So some more crossovers here, some more yarn sifting through the the film verses. And, and agonizingly, uh, Harry Potter got edged out in eleven and twelve. Yeah, and so Emma did, uh, Watson couldn't couldn't get her uh, best kiss uh, either either shot. She tried first with uh, Radcliffe, tried again with Grint, couldn't do it. Oh my god! Then hold on, Watson then loses <laughs> the next year in twenty thirteen. Wait, what? For the perks of being a wallflower, oh, Emma shit. Watson. What is? Damn, Emma, you cannot get that kiss. Well, you know what's... I'm surprised, is that in 2000- Oh my god, she lost again in 2017 for Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Fuck, man, this is some brutal... Just You're just going to town, poor Emma. She just, I, wants, look, she just wants to win an award for kissing. I'm just like, I feel bad for her people. They keep getting her noms, but they can't take her all the way. Well, we have a little uh, bonus episode on our Patreon coming out about the movie of Inception, and I am baffled that somehow the Twilight Saga Eclipse had a better kiss than Ellen Page and JGL. Wait, did that get nommed? It got fucking nommed, man. Can you imagine a, a Nolan movie getting nominated for a kiss award? Um, I actually forgot that they kiss, which right. speaks to how bad that movie is. Yeah, and how like, Inception is crazy because I like the central idea of someone having to accept themselves and stop questioning reality is such an interesting idea. Yes. And that movie is so fucking annoying. Yeah, Like the one cool part is just like completely buried. It drives me crazy to think about because on paper, 
Oh, on paper, Co- you say? Um, if you will. I will. On paper, Cobb's storyline is like actually cool as hell. And then it the fucking movie is rules. And that's why... fun to watch. When you watch it the first time, or when I watched it the first time, I was sort of fooled into liking it because I like acknowledged the themes and ideas that Christopher Nolan was so deadly trying to... Like, ugh, the ideas are so good. Like, a man who's so fucking traumatized by accidentally murdering his wife... And then creating dream worlds where he can escape from it, maybe, but then gets so lost in his dream worlds that his like reality is unbending, and he allows himself to just give up and realize that whether it doesn't matter or he's finally forgetting himself, whatever the reason, he can go on doing something else. That's such a cool idea. And then it just takes place in like cityscapes and mountains and snow and just like the settings get progressively worse. And I kind of for like I really didn't like the the the, the shitty winter fortress from the first time i saw it but like the crumbling cityscape is also just ugly and boring and anyways we well, can't talk about we're too gonna much. we're gonna we're go into it in more detail yeah. on our patreon show patreon.com slash wwi podcast if you have five dollars you can give it to us that's the pitch that's okay not a great pitch but uh you know hey you don't like if you got five dollars you can give it to us here is the thing about us and what we do we're the best in the fucking game yeah. And if you want to grow the fuck up like the protagonists of American Pie 2, you pull out a crisp Lincoln from your pocket and slide it across the table like Ryan in Game Night. And in return, yeah. you get two bonus episodes a month, baby. Okay, we, gotta, we can't Patreon all day. Um, let's get to our final thoughts on American Pie 2. You were a little let down by it. I liked it. You picked your MVP already, so I'll pick my MVP. I'm going to fly in the face of what you said and say, I'm going to give Jim my MVP oh, because when wow. he, when he delivers the iconic, this one time at band camp moment late in the movie, I loved it. I loved it. He sells the moment and it was powerful. And we see him grow up before our very eyes and turn down the glorious Nadia. And I really, I love that. I think we've gotten more emotional progression at the American pie movies than most of the films we've watched over this entire project. And I, I, I'm very impressed. I, I would say, again, as good, if not better, than the first one. I laughed. I cried. I cannot wait for American Wedding. Yeah. I think it just really comes down to Jim being the center stage in this one. And I'm not really a Jim freak like you are. So I'm still in it. And I still really like Like, that's the thing that this series is doing so well is that it's created a little universe where there's characters. We haven't talked at all about Finch. And Finch... I think if Allison Hannigan weren't so good, Finch would definitely be the MVP. I think he's fucking perfect. He is hilarious. He's a yoga master like me. I have a lot to relate to with Finch. And I think he's he is, as everything else unravels and maybe for me jokes that don't work, he always is there to pull me back in. And I think they just created a world where there's these characters that, like, that's the best part of a universe is when you have characters you believe in. Whether you like all the characters or not, they're people that you actually think are real. And you want to just see what else they want to do and come up with. When he comes sweeping into the room thinking he's about to fuck Stifler's mom wearing elaborate robes, that shit is amazing. And then it turns out to be the little brother. It's like that was a great – everything that I laughed at was, I think, Finch-related. I'm not sure I laughed at anything else, but he's in a lot of the movie and uh, it works. So if you haven't seen these and you're just sort of like listening to us talk about them, I do recommend watching these movies. I'm very surprised that I would say that, but I like them. Jason Biggs had a run in 2014 where he got in trouble for joking about two missing Malaysian Airlines flights. 
and making fun of a dead Bachelorette contestant. Yikes. What a 2014 he had. All right. Let's wrap up this episode. Um, if you're listening, we love you. Thank you for listening. Follow, subscribe, like, etc. Uh, and more importantly, this is a time, the fall for not just Jews, but I think a lot of people is a time of introspection, looking inward. And you need to deep di- dig deep down. Ask yourself, are you a band geek? Do you want to fuck a baked good? Are you trying to throw a big lake house party in your heart? This is your time. The summer, overrated. Yeah. The fall? Mm. That's, that's the, the real time. Shit. Yeah. I think that's this movie is about geeks. And I think, you know, I like that everyone who wins in this movie just sort of accepts that they're geeks or they already knew that they were. Yeah. It's weird for me because we're so cool that it's a little hard to imagine what it would be like to not be cool. Well, I'm not that cool. No, we're pretty cool. We've got okay. a film podcast. That's true. So it's fun like to, to sort of play act in my mind what it would be like to not be hip, part of the zeitgeist, and sexy. Yeah. I, I want to end this episode. I, I just started looking at the Teen Choice Awards for movie villains. And fuck, get the yarn out. Mike Myers, Austin Powers, Spy Who Shagged Me. Bill Nye or whatever. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men's Chest, and At World's End. And then fucking Twilight. So this we, we are somehow accidentally mirroring what teen people were choosing er, these years for our multiverses. We just know what teens want. Well, I mean, let's see. It looks like, yeah, it's quite a time. I mean, in Sandler wins for Big Daddy in 2000 for Best Comedic Performance MTV Movie Award over Biggs. We got Stiller, Reese Witherspoon, Mike Myers, huh? Yeah, it yeah, was teens, a funny time. Teens are up, man. Maybe we should reshape our podcast to appeal to teenagers. Do you know how to use TikTok? That's a bad idea, and TikTok yeah. is illegal as of tomorrow. Yeah. Okay, American Pie. We move on to American Weddings. Hey, so get your spats on. <laughs> <laughs>